It's episode 114 of the Improv London podcast. I'm your host, Stuart Moses, and this week's guest is Ginny Lyons. Hello, how are you? I'm I'm really well. That's I'm really well, thanks. I've also it's also uh, just occurred to me that actually talking to you is the first time I've spoken today. Oh really? Yeah, working from home it has its it has its downsides, and one is just being entirely locked in your own brain and uh, yes. not actually speaking. So this is great. <laughs> <laughs> um, so do you mind me asking what you do? No, I'm a translator. Ah, oh, right. The day. Right, cool. By day. By day. Uh, yeah, French and Italian to English. Oh, wow. Hmm. Right. Do you ever do the uh, subtitles on films? I've had friends that do that. No, I don't. And I, I key, it's on my list of things to investigate. Yeah. Uh, mainly because I'm a complete pedant. Um, and every time I watch something with subtitles, there's a mistake in the subtitles that <sighs> drives me crazy. And it doesn't matter what language it's in. Yeah. I've watched a Japanese film before read the subtitles and and knew that there was a mistake even though I don't speak Japanese wow. I'm that much of, that much of an ass. <laughs> <laughs> well that's certainly not the way you come across <laughs> for you <laughs> <laughs> so you're perhaps perhaps best known uh, for Ginny Lyons is an only child <laughs> or solo improvisation yeah uh, which I think I don't like solo improvisation and then I see it and I Thinking about the time I particularly saw you perform at the nursery, I go, oh yes, I do like this. I don't know why I don't think I like, I don't know why I don't think I like it. Yeah. And it's not just the fact that I was given a pastry as part of Oh good, I'm pleased you said that because I was going to say, "Mm, could have been a pastry. (laughs) Well, I think I would have enjoyed your performance anyway, but I would encourage more. Enhanced by the pastry. Yes. Tell me all about uh, giving away pastries and and your act oh well first of all i love the idea that i'm best known for something <laughs> that really shores up my uh, arrogant conceit of uh, calling calling a show by my by my own name um using my own name uh it's true uh the you know Ginny lines is an only child it's true uh i am an only child um which i like to say at the beginning of each show just in case there was any you know, doubt that <laughs> any <laughs> well, uh, anybody other than an only child would want to get up on stage by themselves and command attention. Um, well, it all came about, uh, I think I've been doing it about five, six years now, and it came about because a group that I was in, 8-Bit, um, uh, we were coached by Katie Shute, and uh, in one of our um, rehearsals or warm-up sessions, uh, she got us to do budget scenes, and I've never heard of them since. No. But a budget scene is basically solo improv. You're playing all the characters in the scene, and I can still remember what it was. I was playing like an old, old-timey American cowboy in a bar, and a younger, just out of college, barkeep. Um, and I just had a whale of a time. I just really, really enjoyed it, and I thought. I'll just see what that's like to do more of and um, so fully aware I, I think we was, I was very lucky when I started to do uh, started to do performing improv wow I'm doing see I really, this is really the first time I've spoken isn't it do, <laughs> doing performing improv wow um, the group that I formed that I was that was I was part of knew from the beginning that we needed a coach that there was there was never any doubt in our mind 
that 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 was a sensible thing to do and so I thought well that's doubly the case if you're doing solo improv because you really desperately need an outside eye and I basically couldn't pick an outside eye just a single one so I got three um so I got Katie and Carrie Ad Lloyd and Paul Foxcroft wow. to be a kind of triumvirate of directors basically always had one-on-one sessions with them and uh they helped me form my show over a period of about six months and then I did my first outing 15 minutes at a hoopla launch pad um, at the uh, wagon is it the wagon and horses or the coach and horses the one in Lambeth North I forget yes coach and horses coach and horses and um, yeah and my, my sole aim for that first show was do I like this do I like doing this there wasn't any kind of tick boxes I wanted to achieve or number of characters I wanted to play or reaction I wanted or anything like that it was literally do I enjoy doing this and I really did yeah it was super fun (laughs) it was super super fun and um Paul was there and I remember warming up with him um and we were behind this weird sort of partitioned bar and we did um rubber chicken that's one of the warm-ups. It's that one where you just basically like shake your right hand eight times, uh, and then you shake your left hand eight times, yes. and your right foot eight times, and then you count down the numbers. And uh, I do that now before every single. That's the end of every single warm-up I do. Really? Yeah. So whatever like stretches and you know sirening and <laughs> weird voices I might try and do, I always end with a rubber chicken uh, as commemoration of that very first um, that very first warm-up with Paul. And um, yeah, I just had a, I just had a blast. It was just really super fun, and and so I carried on working with them and um, all three of them, and uh, you know there are there are there are things that I still I still do today that I I learned from them in those initial sessions hmm. that I'm still going. Oh God, I still haven't acted on that note from Katie. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and uh, yeah, basically, I you know I unfortunately don't have Paul warming up with me every single time, but I do make sure that I do notes to myself. I try and do them the following day. Really? Sometimes, mostly, I'm really awful, and it's like a month or two months later, and it's just a way of kind of you know because I don't record most of my shows, and I don't have other people to discuss it with, so I think it's really important for me to sort of analyse what went well and what didn't. Mm. And also to write down the nice things that people said. Yes. Because they're so frequent that I'll have, what am I doing this for? Mm. What's the point? Ugh. <laughs> and just feeling generally awful. And so, yeah, I write down, if people came up to me and said nice things, then I, I write them down. Not that I'm just pouring over those. No. And constant, as I said, shoring up my uh, huge ego. <laughs> but um, but I do I do like to have them there. Do you give yourself really tough notes yeah well I mean I try and be yeah I'm not I'm like <laughs> I don't swear at myself but I, I do use an underlining every now and again there's sometimes an underlining or I highlight something in green um yeah I do try and give myself t- tough notes particularly one where it's like come on you know you wanted you wanted to do that for the past four shows why haven't you done it and then I finally do it, and I'm writing to myself, see, that worked, that worked when you did that. Why didn't you do that before? Keep doing that bit. So, yeah, yeah I am quite firm, quite yes. firm with myself. Yeah. <laughs> it's always interesting 
the um, getting the balance because I like to sort of analyse and think about when I've done a show mm. but there's always a balance between doing that as a learning tool and that as an excuse to beat yourself up yeah oh well that's why I have the nice things as yeah. well and, and it's very much like it's never just a list of you know these are all the things I need to work on they're also a kind of a, a sense of commemoration I suppose um, and uh, you know what went well you know because I mean lots of times oh, that's the joy of doing solo improv is that you know I'll just be about to go on I'm like oh, I don't want to do it that way what are we gonna do oh, I think I'll just change it yeah, yeah, yeah. just change it like yeah. and, and it's like two minutes before I'm about to go on yeah so I'll do something do something else um, and so I want to write down whether that experiment worked. Nine times out of ten, it does. Yeah. So I was like, oh, cool, yeah. You know, don't get don't get stuck in a format. That was really funny actually when I first started doing solo improv and first started getting gigs and and um, you know, so I'd be at guest guesting at you know ensemble nights and um, mixed bill nights even. And uh, yeah, I'd have people great. Oh wow, you do solo improv? That's so cool. What format are you doing? I'm like, I'm, I'm not doing one. Yeah. And they'd be like, well, what? what? <laughs> Cuz this was this was back when Harold's had basically just burst the, just, uh, you know. Although I'll be honest, 8-bit were doing 8-bit were doing a Harold, not a very good one. <laughs> and it was about 45 minutes long. <laughs> uh, but we were doing a Harold before Monkey Toast were, just saying. Just saying. Um, but yeah, they they were everywhere. Harold's were everywhere. Uh, and so, you know, if it wasn't a Harold, it was an Armando and then basically everyone was just kind of format crazy mm. um and the idea that i wasn't doing a format was just i think baffling to some people um so that that was really nice to just go oh, just you know just sort of do, do i mean i sort of thought of an idea and then not like pre-planning but just yeah. like a sort of form to the show but that's that's it really yeah and that seemed to just make people unsettle people and then afterwards go oh i totally get it that was great <laughs> <laughs> So it's nice to nice to surprise people still. Yes, it's interesting. Is it when you're? Do you need a more uh, defined format when you've got more people playing it? Yeah. And so if it's only you, you don't need that pre-agreed kind of format. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I'm not. I'm just gonna put it out there and just you know scandal like you know. Improv London podcast exclusive. That's what we love. I hate formats. You're right. I just can't stand them. Yeah. I don't mind watching them, um, but I I can't stand doing them because I hate the feeling that you have to do something yeah. next. And I just feel, you know, the Herald was created by Del Close as a learning tool. You know, it was it was there as a as a as a, a gateway to show students how to do long form you know the suggestion that you might want to you know do something and then something and then maybe involve a bunch of people and then hey revisit something you've done before um and i just feel like there's you know the 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 obsession with getting a format right yes. i think is so um debilitating to the creative freedom of an improviser on stage i think you know i think they're great as training wheels yeah and i think if I think if someone's really desperate to kind of, you know, because people obviously learn and work in different ways and sometimes people need structure to then to be able to create within that structure. But I don't know. I think sometimes uh, sometimes the structure is more 
lauded than the scenes themselves. Yeah. Like, oh, that was so clever that that referred back to that rather than it actually being a good scene. Yeah. I, like, nah, I don't know if that's the point. Um, but yeah, controversial. Uh, well, controversial. I, I entirely agree. And part of it for me is necessity because I am so busy being in the moment and listening to the people I'm improvising with. I haven't got the spare brain power to be going, ah, we're in scene 2A. Mm. This is going to need to come back in whatever. Mm. So... No, I think yeah, uh... yeah. I think I think it's it. I yeah. Personally, for me, if I'm ever in a format, like I can just. I remember doing, doing a workshop, and like because I do, I don't like to just go. Oh, well, that's not for me. I never want to do it again. I did a workshop a few years ago on the deconstruction ah. or the or the decon. Yes. <laughs> um, and I watched people do it, and I'm like, oh my god, that's amazing! Look at that go! Oh, that's so fun! I would totally get it. And I was in it, and I felt like I was going to throw up because yeah. I was like, I can't remember what is supposed to be happening. I cannot remember what's supposed to be yeah. happening now. And I hated that feeling of just like, well, I can't just come on and do what feels instinctive mm. next. I can't do what, come on, come on and, and, and do what's naturally a follow-on from this. And it doesn't have to be obviously a linear follow-on. It could be a flashback. It could be a, you know, we cut to something a thousand miles away. But then you can't do that. And it just, yeah, it just drives me crazy. Yes. I don't know why I... For some people, I understand, yes, the structure is handy. For me, it's a restriction. Yes, no, I, I entirely agree. And yeah, sometimes I have that instinct. It's like, oh, I've got this idea. But oh, now I'm thinking, is that idea, does that fit in with the structure? And then by that point, I'm like, mm, yeah, yeah, I'm lost anyway. So, yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. it's all gone. Yeah, so I basically made my own for um, Only Child. And that's what I call it. You yeah, know, that's, yes. my little, that's my little nickname for my own show, good, isn't good, it? You know, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, which was to basically have two... Well, it was started off as three, and then um, basically I, I was sort of running... Mm, run, not running out of time, but like, I wasn't doing the scenes justice. So now it's two completely separate scenes... You know, I get a suggestion from the audience, I do a scene, I get another suggestion, and I do another scene, and then the audience get to choose yes. which one they want to see more of. That, I thought, was particularly interesting, because I haven't seen that. In really? The, I don't think so. Obviously, in, in Choose Your Own Adventure game books, yeah, I'm familiar yeah, with the yeah, concept. Yeah. I don't think I've seen that in an improv Gosh, show. That's, that's very interesting. Oh, wow. I just assumed that that was... Because I feel like ages ago I said, oh, that's what I do. And someone was like, oh, yeah, 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 I did that. And I, but I don't... Maybe they were like a visiting teacher or something. I suppose though. Duck Duck Tales do that because they're very consciously aping the format of those Choose Your Own right. Adventure books. I suppose maybe they do that. It's certainly not a common thing that I've right. seen. Yeah. And also, I'm used to seeing when someone does a, a long-form format... It's not a format, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do long form. Um, that they get the suggestion at the beginning and that's the level of involvement mm. for the audience. So actually, I quite like the fact that you came back. Uh, mm. You come back to the audience and then you get them involved again. and help, Yeah. Help well, that was, that was part of something that Katie said to me right at the beginning of just like, well, you know, the audience is like your other improviser. Mm. Um, and that's exactly the case. I mean, that's... I don't want there to be necessarily that much of a barrier between us mm. because I want them I want the audience to feel part of it yes somehow um, yeah to what extent I mean that that's kind of I change how I ask for suggestions and and sometimes I might again and I've sort of changed the order over the years so now the first thing I do is tend to offer people something to eat 
Yes. Um, used to always be biscuits, but then I went crazy this year because of the weather. Um, I just felt too hot to offer biscuits, so I did one show where I offered grapes. Oh, right. That went down well. Um, and then I did another one, my most recent one, um, cherry tomatoes. Oh, really? Tomatoes. Yeah, and I ask people, you know, what do they offer them around, and people eat them, and then I ask, you know, what does it make you think of? Yes. Um, and again, that's gone through an evolution from the beginning as well, because it used to be, you know, what type, what type of person do you think of when you eat this biscuit, or you know, what words do you? And it, it got too pres- prescriptive. Right. Yes. So I, I, I've opened it up a little bit. It's always evolving, Stuart. It's always, <laughs> it's always got, you know, it's like sharks. Got to keep moving. Um, <laughs> the shark of improv. And um, uh, yeah, so I sort of, and then I sort of show people, okay, well, this is what I'm going to do with your suggestion, so you can see the kind of level of uh comedy or tragedy uh, depending on the um depending on the mood <laughs> um and then i'll probably again depending on my mood either i'll ask for something they have in their pocket or bag or whatever um or i'll ask i'll share something quite personal of myself and basically my thought is, is just like well if i go to Say it's, I would usually do this in a kind of show my hands, but obviously audio format can't do it. Uh, <laughs> but if we assume that sort of zero is uh, no, I absolutely don't want to share anything, and ten is you know tell all b- b- memoir. Um, I'll I'll basically sort of show that I'm happy to go to about eight or nine, mm-hmm. and then I ask the audience to join me at about four or five. Oh right, okay. So I ask them a question that, you know is getting them to share but they don't have to share as much as I just did um, and that seems to really work that seems to really work because they're like oh well I've seen what you've done with the material and I know you treat it with respect and if you're willing to share that much then okay yeah I can I, I can share a little bit too oh okay cool yeah, yeah, yeah. and then I treat that with respect as well so so you're building uh, a rapport with the audience by feeding them um, and then trust by, <laughs> yeah. 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 It's a really lovely thing to do, actually, because it just breaks down sort of the uh, barrier between the performer mm. and the audience. And, and I uh, partly pinched that from Bryony Kimmings. All oh, right. I went to go and see a show of hers called Sex Idiot, and um, which was phenomenal. And um, as you were coming in, and it was at the South Bank Centre, I think, maybe? Um, or the National, I can't remember. Somewhere along there. Um, and as you came into this auditorium, it's like, you know, it's a proper big theatre. It's not some like room above a pub. Yeah, yeah. Uh, proper big theatre. And she offers everyone sweets. Like, she's got a massive bowl of sweets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's this, bearing in mind what she then goes on to do in the show and what she asks people, like, she asks people if they can cut off some of their pubes and put them in a jar, which she then sticks to some sellotape and uses it as a pube moustache. Moustache. Uh, moustache? Moustache. Anyway, um, <laughs> in the show. So she's wearing audience members' pubes on her face. But I love that she... But she's she's lured you in yes. with the sweets. She's created this instant connection of just like, hey, yeah. come in, join my party. Here's, you know, she's not just some kind of... She's there at the front yes. welcoming you. And I really like that sense of welcome. So, yeah, yeah I did the steal like an artist thing. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Yeah, it was good fun. So, in addition to performing as a solo artist, uh, you also teach for Hoopla. I do. 
Tell also, me about I'm just going to say, again, I love, oh. I love this artiste. <laughs> it's like, oh, best known for now, I'm an artiste. Oh, this is so good for my ego, Stuart. <laughs> uh, yes, I do teach for Hoopla. Um, um, I don't know how long for. Five, let's just say five years. Yeah, just <laughs> round it up. State it just round it up. As long as you state it confidently, it <laughs> yeah. doesn't matter. It's I'm going to accept that. it. It's probably about that. Uh, I do, I do. I teach um, a variety. Uh, beginners, performance, long form. And Steve and I are in some discussions for some new courses coming in the new year. But they're kind of a little bit oh, okay. under wraps so at the moment. Keep an eye out yeah. for that. Uh, which is your favourite of all those? Oh, I know you love God, them all equally. It's like asking for a favourite child. Yeah, I, um, I don't have any children, so this should be easier. Um, <laughs> uh, I really, I do, I love beginners a yeah. lot. Because I really love changing a group of 15, 16, completely terrified total strangers into a joy-filled team. Yes. Um, who are just so... And I love that that can change in the first week. Yes. You know, it, do, it doesn't have to be over the course of the two months. It's the first week you can see the change in people and it's just their eyes opening. Yeah. And it, like, I don't mean that in... A, I, I'm not necessarily saying that figuratively. Yeah. I'm also saying that literally. Yeah. Like, their eyes just seem a bit wider and a bit more... I don't know if it's shell shock or, or I don't know if it's just like glee where they're just like, oh, I didn't know I could play like this. And I didn't, I didn't know that this was okay to do anymore. And, and yeah, this, this revelation on their faces, this opening up is, is just such a joy to witness. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, that for me is really special, really special to be the person who is, um, showing that them that change is possible yeah. you know and i've had such lovely lovely people come onto the beginners classes who have come on for all number of reasons and and that's the thing i really like about hoopla as well is that obviously you know we do get some performers coming and doing improv but generally speaking it's it's well a lot of people in it yes. it's extraordinary the amount of people in it who come <laughs> and do courses um but lots of people for so many other reasons, like, you know, somebody who's, you know, been through drama therapy and really enjoyed the improv side of it, so they wanted to carry on. Or, um, you know, I've got one, one person on my course at the moment who, you know, they did a couple of corporate sessions uh, at their work with Katie. Wow. Enjoyed them so much that they booked a Hoopla course, which is just, oh, my God, yeah. bring out the piñatas. That's brilliant. <laughs> um, and uh, the most memorable one for me was a few years ago with this guy came on and the reason that he wanted to the reason he wanted to do improv was that he wanted to play better with his son because wow. uh, he was aware that he he wasn't being as he was being dismissive of his son's ideas of playtime and that he was being like no come on don't be silly you need to you know this is how the game is played you need to be like this or no come on don't do that we need to be sensible and do such and such and you know, after a few weeks, he was like, "Oh, it was yeah, it was really great. I was you know with my with my son just about to catch a tube, and he was like, oh, it's like you know, it's like a rocket.'" And he said, "Normally, I would be you know, no, no, come on, like be sensible, it's careful, bigger." And the change, he's like, "No, it is like a rocket, isn't it? And we're going to be astronauts, and we're going to get on it. And where do you think we're going to go?" And he said that the change in his son's face, that he was oh, being, wow. but that his story was being 
perpetuated was just I mean that oh that choked me up that's amazing still makes me feel a bit like tingly like genuinely yeah. a little bit oh look goosebumps yeah. Yeah, you yeah, can't yeah, see people soon, but genuine soon, goosebumps soon, soon, soon the same to me. just on one arm but still <laughs> um yeah that was just I mean that's just magic isn't it yeah total I mean, magic to have that um sort of perception uh, to be aware enough that First of all, that you're doing that, mm. and then secondly, to actually take action mm. to deal with that—that's amazing. That's the thing I find incredible, and and why I make make a point at the beginning of every um, uh, of the beginning of every beginner's course to get people to applaud themselves because yes. I was like, "You are so brave! You booked an improv course." Yes. And, and you turn and up. And you turn up. Yes. Like that's so cool. And 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 as you say, that people have this, this the the this desire to be self aware and do something about it, and mm. and to find out, not only to do something about it, but then find a really quite unusual way to address whatever they perceive to be a problem, or yes. you know, perceive to be something that's holding them back. It just blows my mind. I think people are amazing. Yes. Yes. No. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. And I particularly love. Um, the way in which um, Hoopla teachers, in particular other teachers as well, um, but the way in which they can bond this group of disparate strangers mm. into a sort of a team, and mm-hmm. that seems to have happened really quickly. Well, that's cool. I mean, that's I I I feel like I can't really comment on that because I feel quite biased. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I know what you mean. I know what you mean, and it is very satisfying how many people you know, come from, you know, I'll teach a performance course and, you know, two thirds of them at least all have been from the beginner's course and they've all just all gone up together, which is lovely. Yeah, that is very satisfying. So when you're teaching beginners or the performance course, what's your favourite exercise to teach? Oh, Um, in terms of beginners, uh, pass the clap. All right, yes. That old, that old favourite, that yep. old chestnut. And it's probably the first thing I do. Yeah. So, uh, you know, everybody has different ways of playing it. So for, you know, clarity's sake, it's the one where you st- everybody stands in a circle, you look at the person next to you, make eye contact, and you clap at the same time. Turn to the next person next to you, etc., etc., and then you can reverse the clap and send it across the circle. Um, and the reason that's my favourite is because... In that first week, the claps are kind of, and I'm sorry if this is too loud, but the no. claps are kind of like, <laughs> or like, oh God, sorry. Or, um, oh no, oh God, um, oh, let me do that again. Um, oh no, I did it wrong again. You know, and it's so apologetic and it's so um, self-conscious. And then I play that again in week eight, and it's like pow, 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 bang, yeah, bang, yeah, yeah. pow, wing, zing, zing, and it's just like it's like watching lightning go around, and everyone, no, no one's thinking about themselves anymore. Everyone's just thinking about being part of the collective. Yes. Uh, so that's probably why, but because I like to show them how far they've come. Yes. Yes. Yep. So I would say that's my favourite. Cool. <laughs> cool. Uh, so we've talked about beginners. Uh, how did you discover improv? Oh. By accident, Stuart. By total happy accident. Um, when I first moved to London, I moved in with one of my dearest friends and she had the excellent idea that so that we didn't stop becoming friends and just became flatmates, that once a week we should have a flatmate date. Brilliant. Um, so we set aside an evening a week and we made each other dinner, took turns to make each other dinner and, you know, be friends, make sure we were friends. And it worked, we still are. 
16 years going strong. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, anyway, then we were like, we did that for about six months. And then we were like, mm, we should probably go outside. <laughs> That's probably quite cool out there. Um, so then we, we sort of had a halfway house and we went to the cinema for a few times, you know. Yeah, we're outside, yourself, but yeah. still inside. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then it was my turn, turn to choose what we did. And I think we sort of decided that, oh, maybe seeing some comedy might be nice. And it was literally by chance. I was at work. And I went on the Time Out website and I just searched for um, Comedy Tonight Central London. And um, a list of a few things came up and one of them was Hoopla. And I was just like, oh, that's such a cool word. You know, I'm quite a word word nerd and I just really like the name. I just thought that looked really funny. Uh, And, you know, I was like, oh, we'll read the other things as well. And then I came back to the Hoopla and I was like, oh, it's Whose Line Is It Anyway? Oh, my God, I loved Whose Line Is It Anyway? You know, I used to watch that with my mum back in the 90s. And um, I was like, oh, well, let's do this. It's only a fiver. And so we went and we sat in the back. And it's really nice. I was talking to Steve about this the other day. And it's like, oh, yeah, I remember. Yeah, you and Clara, you sat at the back in the, under that art tray. I was like, that was like nine years ago. Wow. That's amazing. You can remember that. Um, but, uh, yeah, we just laughed until we cried. And then uh, got chatting to them in the pub afterwards. And uh, one of them told me that, oh, yeah, we do workshops as well. And I basically got obsessed with the show when I think it was four times over the course of five weeks and then plucked up the courage. Uh, And this was back in the day, Stuart, back in the day. I mean, here we are, lousy with improv schools now, lousy. (laughs) This was back in the day when you could basically go to Spontaneity Shop in North London or you had a once a week drop in in Balham with Hoopla. And that's that was it. It was a desert, (laughs) desert with a couple of of oases. and I, yeah, I plucked up the courage and I was super, super nervous. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's only a drop-in. I mean, that's why I give these people applause. Yeah. It's like, you've committed to a course and I was just terrified about a drop-in. And I just walked in the room and um, Edgar Fernando, who was running it like, that night, was just like, Ginny! <laughs> and wel- literally welcomed me with open arms yeah, and gave yeah. me a hug. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> and I can't remember everything we did, but I know I remember doing a sort of mini scene with Rihanna and Vivian. Uh, who's still one of my very good friends and um, yeah her feeding me a mime a mime brownie to like give me energy to power a, uh, <laughs> a power a bike that was powering a generator that wow. was yeah nine years ago yeah so yeah that was that was and my life genuinely changed because of improv so thanks Steve thanks, <laughs> thanks Edgar thanks Steve thanks Edgar <laughs> cool um and you've also been more recently involved in a web project called At 858. Yeah. Is that how we're pronouncing that? Yeah, I think so. I've only ever seen it written down. Yeah, so that's I'm, me too. I'm me guess. too. Let's yeah. just say we Let's guessing. say that. Yeah, I was so delighted to be asked for that. Um, so this guy called uh, Riley, again, I've never ever seen his surname written down, so I don't know if I'm saying Madinsea or Madinchea. I'm not sure. Sorry, Riley. Um... But Riley's such a cool name. I mean, who cares if I mispronounce the surname? Riley <laughs> Riley is such a cool name. Um, I mean, I care if I mispronounce the surname because yeah. I hate it when people call me Ginny Loins. Yeah. Oh dear. Anyway, um, yeah. So he sent me. He just sent me a text. Uh, sent me a message on Twitter and was just like, um, "Hey, do you want to be involved in a comedy project?" And that was it. That, that was it basically. And it's like. Well, my interest is peaked. Yes. <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> this sounds very intriguing. And um, so, yeah, so we he sent me a couple of emails and, um, 
you know, he told me he was involved, and I was like, well, you know, if, if Ruth Bratt and Pippa Evans and Maria Peters are on board, <laughs> I mean, I thought it was a good idea anyway, and then they're in it. Well, why would I turn this down? Um, it was really fun. It was really fun, and I bagsied doing my scenes with Maria because I Maria was one of the first people I did improv with and yes. it's so rare we get the chance to do it together now that I was like, just grasping seizing that opportunity um, yeah and it was basically we had to oh I'm wearing the same shirt actually yeah. wearing the same shirt as I did, <laughs> as I did in that um, yeah it was basically going to an office space and it, it, the idea is that at 8.58 so as you're making your cup of coffee or whatever in the office kitchen um, just about to start work at nine o'clock. What are the type of conversations that might be happening? Ah. That's the idea behind it. And the production values looked like stonking. Yeah. There were snacks. Yeah. <laughs> there was like a green room and uh, snacks and gluten-free snacks. Oh, whew. yeah. Somebody made me made a cup of tea for me. Wow. <laughs> Living the high life now. Living that well, as you say, I am an artiste. Well, yes, so, that's, so it's uh, only to be expected. I expected this happened all the time. <laughs> all the time. All the time. Barely worth commenting on, really. Yeah. I'm so often. I'm lousy with gluten-free snacks. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it was. It was lovely. Though, yeah, I mean, it was so. It was so cool. It felt so special to be, like, in something where improv had this. You know, I think there's there's something about improv that has that has something of a reputation of being a little bit, you know, rough and ready and, yeah. you know, uh, kind of a bit sort of torn torn jeans and scuff trainers look around it, that it was so cool to go into something, as you say, with such, you know, I mean, there were two cameras. Yes. And a boom or something. Yes. And, yeah, it was just like, this is so cool to have, to have such respect to be paying, paid to this. And it was, it was so fun. Yeah, yeah. So fun. So you were given a one-word suggestion? Yeah, there was a, um, a variety of things. I think we were given... So the one, that's, um, the one that, that made the final cut uh, was, a, was a word suggestion from like a little list. And other times that you could roll a, um, a die and then that corresponded to words that they'd already sort of pre-prepared. Um, uh, or it was a prop. Uh, so there was one where they gave us a muffin. Ah. Um, I just ate the muffin. <laughs> I think that the muffin. I know. I kind. I kind of wish that was the one because it's basically me taunting Maria for having had her teeth whitened and not being able to eat fun stuff like muffins. And I'm just like, oh no, how awful! <laughs> <laughs> and it was yeah. I, yeah, I really enjoyed that. One. <laughs> uh, well, so I got to eat a muffin. Well, yeah, exactly. Yes, uh, that's never a bad thing. Uh, so was it untrustworthy the one that was yeah released? trustworthy trustworthy it was trustworthy. trustworthy and then Maria used my real name and was telling me I, nobody trusts me and it was like a it was like I'd been stabbed in the heart it was just like all the reac- I'm not acting I'm not acting at all there's no there's no hint of improv it's just genuine paranoia coming through <laughs> just like what what <laughs> what do you mean no one trusts me oh my god you know because it's a it's a you know I, I'm an only child I work from home I don't maybe people don't trust me oh my god maybe people don't I have no friends okay I don't have any friends that's that's it that's my life actually it's all a lie it's all a lie um so yeah what you're seeing there is is my <laughs> genuine fears writ large <laughs> but I mean that's that's a lovely thing if you can do that sort of scene without acting, 
it's just like just being real and responding. Well, that's a nice way to put it, isn't it? That's a nice way to put it, rather than just like <laughs> putting all sham of performance aside <laughs> and just freaking out on camera. <laughs> cool. Um, you've also uh, been involved in Destination oh, podcast. Yeah. Tell me about that because I don't listen to any other podcasts. <laughs> Of course you didn't. Just Why listen would to you? my own podcast. I mean, to be honest, I am terrible at listening to podcasts. Um, I've recently discovered a gardening one, though, so I'm quite into that. But ah. um, no, sorry. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting that you're listening to a gardening podcast. Oh God, Stuart! Ah, oh, I've developed this whole brand new, brilliant Saturday morning routine, which yeah. is basically have um, my special weekend breakfast, which is boiled eggs and Marmite soldiers followed by a pot of tea, and I've just recently acquired a teapot for my birthday from my mum. So I'm totally on loose-leaf tea. <laughs> and um, so I make my pot of tea, and I drink tea while doing my ironing and listening to a garden podcast. And, Stuart, I've never felt so alive. Ah. Honestly, it's utterly marvellous. Anyway, Sorry, uh, I destination. Just wanna, no, no, I want to dig into that a little bit oh, more. Oh, of course. So you listen <laughs> to a gardening podcast. Yeah. Do you ever do any gardening? Well, I do. I mean, I don't have a garden, oh. but I've got a few pots. So do you do gardening while listening to an ironing podcast? Oh. <laughs> oh. Well, I mean, I could do. I could do. But so you're interested. Because I mean, but... I'll find I do find pleats difficult. So <laughs> I don't. I can't say that I wouldn't find an ironing podcast useful. Hmm. Well, it's just interesting because I, I was wondering whether you had an interest in gardening as a concept or whether you, you were actually <laughs> oh, interested no. in actually gardening no, I am for real. actually yeah. interested in, uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, I just have a few pots and I'm desperately trying not to kill them. Um, interestingly, just found out, parsley, not a perennial. Huh? Only lasts two years. So all these times when I thought I've been killing parsley plants, they've just been dying of natural causes. I did not know that. Oh, it made me feel so much better rather than being like a murderer. <laughs> Let's talk about the Destination anyway, Podcast. Anyway, actually, what we're actually going to talk about, Destination Podcast. Although that could be a game of the podcast <laughs> where you keep trying to bring up and go, no, no. let's talk about this. <laughs> no, I want to talk about parsley. Um, <laughs> Destination Podcast. I friggin' love it. Oh, God. It never ceases to amaze me. Every time we sit down to record, and to be fair, it's been a while since... Since I did a session, which is a which is a shame, but um, oh my god! Every time we sit down, I think to myself privately, although now obviously publicly, like, <laughs> how are we going to do this? How it fifteen minutes? Because you know we, the, Tony Harris does all the editing, um, and it you know as Katie says on the intro, you know nothing taken out, a few sound effects put in, so nothing is edited together. It is just recorded in real time, fifteen minutes. And every single time, a story happens, and I—it's—I don't know how. It's—it's it's like magic again, and I—I—I I, I don't know how we do it. And I'm not saying that in some kind of like false modesty way, because I genuinely don't understand how we make it happen. I don't know if it's because we're not doing anything else apart from just looking at each other and listening to each other, and we're not trying to. You know, there's no other bits and bobs to do. But, you know, we've done it live as well, which is really fun, where we've just got someone sitting in a chair in the middle of the stage and then the rest of us off on the state on the sides of the stage, on microphones. And that's very good fun. I remember I was utterly delighted when we did it up in Edinburgh um, and we had Thomas Zielinski in the driver's seat 
And I was so pleased because at one moment we were talking about John Craven. <laughs> he was supposed to be my brother. Tom Selinsky was supposed to be my brother. And we were talking about John Craven and then we both said yes. And, you know, he's got a certain amount of... And we both said gravitas at the same time. And it's just like, oh, yeah. yeah. It's just one of those improv hard-on moments. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know how destination works. I wish I could give some kind of like. That's so unhelpful, isn't it? You know, we get. I can give you the bare bones, in that we, uh, you know, we assign one of us is the driver, one of us uh, is the sat nav, and one of us is the radio announcer. So the the driver basically doesn't have to do any work. It's just the people calling in who are providing them with stimuli, and then they respond to it. So they don't need to worry about stitching in the thing together at all. It's all the rest of us. So that's why it works very well as being a guest format. Um, (gasps) Format. Um, (laughs) uh, Tricked you into everything you like this format. Um, And... uh, yeah, so that's why it works very well to having guests on because you can just like pop them in the driver's mm. seat and go. You don't need to worry about anything. We will do stuff to you, <laughs> um, and and you just respond to it. And it's it's so fun. They've had so many lovely people be a part of it that it's just been a total joy to be a part of that project. Yes. Cool. Yeah. Sounds good. And um, let's cast your mind a little way back. You directed a nursery original. Yeah. The restaurant. Yeah, tell and me was, about that. Well, it's funny. I bumped into um, Jennifer Jordan literally last night, and we were just reminiscing about it, which is which is why I wanted to uh, talk about it because it was just that was a real change for me. I'd never directed anything before. Taught, yes, um, but never directed. To have this kind of um, not quite fully formed, but sort of decently shaped um, idea of a show. And to get other people to do it, and it was just it was just very refreshing to work in a different way. Yeah. Um, so what was the format of the? Uh, oh, the restaurant? format, my God, Stuart, jeez, it's like a trigger word. Um, so basically, the idea I had because it was in it was when the nursery was running out of the well, performing in the Edric Theatre. It's part of London South Bank University, I think, mm. and. Um, so when they were pitching for originals or, you know, asking people to submit ideas, it was with that space in mind that I suggested the restaurant because I was like, well, it's a big stage. Yeah. It's a really big stage. What can you do with that? I wanted to take advantage of that advantage of that luxury of having such a massive stage. And so I thought, well, I'll just cram it with as many people as possible. <laughs> and um, I was like... I'm going to see if you can do a show with 10 people on stage all the time. Wow. Um, and, you know, I really love food. It's a very big thing of mine. And I was, so I thought, well, I'll get that in somehow. And I'll just, it'll always be set in a restaurant. Um, and one part of the stage will be the kitchen. And the other part of the stage will be the dining area. And I don't want to say dining room because I didn't want that restriction of, sure. you know, it has to be a dining room with, like, you know, candlesticks and tablecloths. Um, <laughs> it was always, you know, just dependent. And uh, so I, I, I asked a few people to be in it and then I auditioned some others. And I, my goodness, was I lucky. Just the, the, just that I asked people and they said yes. 
and it was totally brilliant. I, you know, I asked Helen Foster, and I was like, oh, so I've got this idea, and I was wondering, yes, I've not told you what it is. And she's like, no, I don't care. I, if it's your idea, I want to be in it. I'm like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. She's, she's brilliant. I, oh my god, Helen's yeah. amazing. Um, I love watching her in Improvathons. It's yeah. a total joy. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I asked a few people. So I had, I had Helen, uh, Richard Soames, um, Jonah Fazell, Sarah Louise Young. Uh, just I couldn't believe that all these people had said yes, and uh, the people, these gems that I found in the in the audition process. So you know, I met Jennifer before she'd got involved fully in the the running of the nursery. It was it was when she was kind of new to town, really, and. Um, Oh my gosh, it was just so much fun. It was really fun. Like, how many people could... We, we did an exercise in rehearsal. Like, how many people can you fit in a scene before it breaks? Yeah. And so we did, you know, we did a one-person scene, two-person. I just basically kept adding cast members. We always changed the settings slightly. Yeah. And we basically found out that one and two is great. And four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten brilliant numbers. Yeah. Three-person scenes, disasters. That's interesting. I, I and I don't know if it's because that inherent feeling of feeling like a gooseberry, yeah, or um, that kind of weird two against one. Even though you're working together yeah. as very capable, competent, skilled improvisers, yeah. you know, you're not trying to catch each other out. For some reason, three person scenes just had a really weird atmosphere to them. Yeah, that's interesting. So, but ten, not a problem. Wow, not a problem at all. Um, so yeah, so basically every show. Uh, we'd get the audience to ask... I'd ask them to think of somewhere where they'd had a memorable meal. So I'd, I wasn't asking them to create anything. I was just like, where have you had a memorable meal? So somebody... I had like a chocolate... Um, a chocolate-themed tea at the Hilton, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And then there was another one that was some like crazy restaurant that served a lot of goat. And it was <laughs> somewhere... Oh, gosh. It was somewhere like Azerbaijan. Yeah. Um, that was a good godsend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeez, what a gift! <laughs> um, so we had these wonderful suggestions, and um, so that would be the setting. And then, basically, I would get the audience to think of a number, <laughs> and then I would get my cast to basically stand in a circle facing outwards. I would stand in the middle, and I'd just spin on the spot with my arm extended and get another audience member to shout out "stop." And then the person I was pointing at would be the waiter for the evening. Ah. And then I would count, you know, say six people on. So we knew that six people would be in the kitchen. Yes. There'd be a waiter and then the remainder would be in the restaurant. They would be diners. Yeah, yeah. So we had, oh, it was lovely. It was really lovely to have the chance to have a kind of a style as well, to be given a little bit of budget. So, you know, we had um, like a little doorway made. So just like a couple of blocks and some poles that we could stick together to show the delineation between yeah. kitchen and, and dining area. Um, you know, table, we don't think we had tables, but we had chairs. And then everybody was in a palette of, you know, white shirt and black trousers. So, you know then you could accessorize so if you were in the kitchen you had red and white gingham pieces of cloth that you could turn into an apron or a neckerchief or a Hmm. um like headscarf or something and then uh the people in the dining room everyone just brought in all of their fancy dress which being improvised is, (laughs) is, is a lot there's a lot of fancy dress and then it was basically whichever side of the stage the rest the waiter was in 
that's where the action was taking ah, place. That's really nice. So it was really cool. This was the brilliant thing about being in a, a theatre with flexible lighting is that basically the lights would go... If the waiter was in the dining area, yeah. the lights would go down slightly on the kitchen oh, area. Wow. So people would just be like gently yeah. chopping and cooking and whatnot. Yeah. And then when the waiter moved through into the kitchen, it went down on the dining room and they'd be sort of just gently miming. And it was really... It was so fun. It was so, so fun because it was all about... It was all about relationships. That was it. Yeah. Because you know, it wasn't like the waiter had to lead the action. They could be, you know polishing a glass in the back of the room and we'd still have like a conversation going on at a table or something so they didn't have to lead it it was just like they could just do it by random and it was so fun as well because I remember this bit where I think it was Helen Helen was the waiter and she came over to a table and I think it was Rich and Sarah Louise and it somehow ended up where Sarah Louise and Helen were going to swap and you could just see that naughtiness on their faces they were just like oh are we gonna oh we're gonna oh we're gonna be so naughty and i'm I'm not the waiter but i'm gonna go in the kitchen oh no <laughs> and it was so funny because i was like i don't care <laughs> <laughs> i don't care at all what you do like yes. this wasn't like i just made this show up it doesn't have rules <laughs> but they'd obviously already decided of like oh no overstepping a boundary and it was just then the glee the naughty glee on their faces was so fun yeah, it was, it was such a fun show. Yeah. I really, really enjoyed it. And you said it had a big effect on you as an improviser? Yes, I think so. Because um, it, I think it cemented my belief in the importance of relationships. Um, it proved to me... Uh, it proved to me how you can get a group of people who don't know one another. And if you treat them with kindness and respect as a director you will get the best shows. Yeah. Um, I, you know, having heard things about, and I don't mean improv directors, yeah. but I mean outside improv. <laughs> is there such a world? You know, uh, you know, directors aren't always kind. Yeah. And I think that's dumb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's really dumb. Like, I remember we did a, we did an exercise and I'd explained it and they were doing it. And it, it you know, it wasn't right. It wasn't what I wanted. And I paused and I was like, I'm so sorry, guys. Like, you're doing what I asked you to do, but it's not what I meant. What I meant (laughs) was this. Can you do that? They're like, yeah, sure. And then they did it. (laughs) So it has had a profound effect on me in terms of making sure my communication is clear. Yes. And that's that's definitely fed into my um, teaching. Yeah. Very much so. Uh, And 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 to be honest, this is probably more so with my solo work. Um, Being clear and being simple. but also with 10 people on stage, you need to be clear and you need to be simple yeah. about what is going on. You can't have people running around all over the place. You've got to just slow down, listen, you know. It's it's the fundamentals, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Um, and you've also been using improv to devise theatre recently. Yeah. Tell me about that. Uh, well, that's... Oh, that was so cool. So last year... Basically, Katie and I were like, we want to work together. Let's do something immersive. So we came up with a bunch of ideas and um, Robin Lind, whose office we're sitting in. Yes, thank you, Robin. Thank you, the nursery, for allowing (laughs) us to be here. Um, She was doing um, some shows in her caravan at Vault Festival. 
And so we submitted a couple of our, di- uh, our ideas to her, and she liked them, and she wanted to do them. Katie, unfortunately, then was super busy, so she couldn't do it anymore. And I was, I was like, oh, I was reluctant to let the opportunity pass me by. So I asked, um, this was another instance of me calling up Helen and going, I've got an idea, and her just going, yes. I'm like, you don't know what it is yet. Don't care. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not joking. That's not paraphrasing. That's basically how the conversation went. Um, uh, so, yeah, Helen and Jonah... And uh, we, yeah, two improviser buddies. And I was like, okay, we've got these two ideas. Um, help me make a show out of them. <laughs> so, yeah, we one, one idea was um, It's Your Special Day, which is basically the idea that when people come, a group of people come into a caravan, it's their sixth birthday party. We are their parents, and they will have a kid's birthday party. That was the idea. <laughs> and the other one was the Society of Nice, which is when you come into the caravan, you are about to be inducted into the Society of Nice to become agents. Um, nice stands for Nifty Inclinations for Communal Empathy. Um, and, uh, yeah, we just had an absolute well of time and we really did use our improv techniques to yeah. create our characters yeah. um to work out how we would structure things like what was the rhythm needed you know the kind of the ups and downs of things and also knowing that you know the best kind of improv isn't just daft it's also got heart to it there's also a reason that you're doing it so that was really nice in the it's, it's Your Special Day one. It was just like, well, why are we having this birthday party? It's not just to pass the parcel and give out party bags. Um, we really did give out party bags. It was <laughs> it's amazing how quickly grown adults can become attached to a party bag. Really? Oh, yeah, unbelievably. And I knew this because, best joke of the show, um, we would put a dollop of hummus into one person's party bag Ooh. and they nearly cried it was so funny <laughs> so funny we we were safe in the lodge that we were going to give them another party bag <laughs> right, on the left yeah, yeah, so yeah. you know we're not monsters I mean I love hummus but <laughs> not just be, like loose it has to be in the in right context just <laughs> yeah. in a party bag that sounds like covering you, your balloon and your flapjack you've taken something amazing and made it terrible yeah <laughs> um, keep you on your toes um, <laughs> yeah so it was just like well it's not just it's not about it's not all about hummus in party bags guys no um, and yeah it was basically a kind of uh, well we're doing this because we have to give up the caravan this is our last caravan and so it was you know it was a little bit sad it was Aww. a little bit sad um and then, yeah, and then basically Robin really liked it and she said, we'll come back and do Merge Festival. So we just did we just did the Society of Nice for Merge Festival last year. And then one of the organisers liked that so much that she asked us back for Merge Festival this year. Oh, wow. And that was really fun because uh, it was a new space. It wasn't in the caravan anymore. It was in um, in a building not far from here, actually. So we had like a permanent room. So that was Society of Nice, the HQ edition. Um <laughs> Uh, Helen couldn't make it anymore, but it was still me and Jonah, and then we recruited, ah, just like agents, um, uh, my boyfriend and uh, Vicky Hawley, who is like a billion and one different improv things that she does, but I knew her from Blyton. And um, yeah, just basically took elements from that show and created a whole new one. Um, And it was, it's just a real exercise in kind of going yes and to things of just like well at least let's give it a go like nothing got dismissed out of hand um so yeah definitely used improv skills in uh, showing people a good time and also when things go wrong like (laughs) you know it's it's all about audience interaction in audience immersion 
So you never know what they're going to do. <laughs> um, and, and you're wanting to show them a good time. Yes. And so adapting the show, like sometimes within the show, um, to make sure that they were having fun. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. Um, you've also been involved in, uh, in Provathons. Oh, yeah. I see, I don't really agree with Improvathons. On what basis? I love improv, mm-hmm. but I love sleep more. Yeah, sure. I mean, I do in theory as well, but you know, a couple of times a year, it's nice to it's nice to remind yourself why you love sleep, you know? <laughs> um, I'm very excited because it's just been announced that um, the dates and the theme and the invitations have gone out for the Liverpool Improvathon. So I'm doing that at the end of next month. I oh, couldn't be more excited. Couldn't be more excited. Um, they're just they're they're insane. What <laughs> what normal people decide to do this to myself to themselves? Why am I doing it to myself? Yeah, it's 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 so stupid. And but it's completely brilliant. Yeah. It's com- like I've never I never see improv the way I see it in an improvathon, and I never do improv in the way I do it in an improvathon. I always find, particularly with the Liverpool one, every year I get bolder and bolder in my choices. Yeah. Not because you're just like, <laughs> I don't know why. There's something about this sudden expansion of time that you're allowed on stage. Where, you know, normally, you know, maximum you're looking at is probably luxury of 45 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a rarity these days yeah. on the joyfully oversubscribed London stages. So whenever I get to 45 minutes, I'm very grateful. Um, but, uh, yeah, do you suddenly have, I mean, minimum, the Liverpool Improvathon is 33 and a half hours long, <laughs> but all of a sudden, for some reason in my head, I don't go, oh, we've got loads of time. Something in my head goes, well, come on, we better get on with it. There's, I don't want to just dilly dally around for 33 and a half hours. <laughs> I want to like get stuff done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I try not to save anything up. Yeah, yeah. I just oh, like, yeah. I'm just going to do it now. And yeah, so I just make quite big, bold choices. And I, that has really helped my improv outside of improvathons. It's, it's shown me the value of making a big, bold choice. Um, and yeah, they're crazy. And it's such, it's such a, it's almost like a weird reunion. Like you get to, you get to improvise with people you've never met before. You get to improvise with people you've not seen for a year um, or two years. You know, people from other countries, people who, um, you know, like the London Improvathon as well, where, you know, I never get to Im- improvise on a day-to-day basis with, like, the showstoppers yeah. or people from Ostentatious or, you know, just my friends or, like, Maria, you know, like I was saying, I don't I don't get the opportunity regularly to perform with, with people like Maria. And then there you, you're locked into this, what feels like a world, and it's only a weekend, but it feels like life. (laughs) Like, after an improvathon, particularly the London 50, for the next few days, if I close my eyes, all I can see on the inside of my eyelids are the or is the auditorium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's it's oh, it messes with you, good and proper, good and proper. But you would recommend it? Oh my gosh, yes, and I would absolutely say like if you want to be um, in the audience for this, don't do the thing of just like well, I'll just go for the end to see them all messed up, because it's so full of like. In jokes and tying up storylines, not in jokes in like a cliquey way, but I mean, yes. you know, 
themes that have been yes. referred to callbacks. throughout 50 years. Callbacks, that's the word. That's, that's the term that people use. Oh, I'm such a good teacher. Um, uh, yeah, the, 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 you know, there's just no point going to the last one. Yeah. Um, so, but I've been an audience for the whole fifth, in wow. the audience for the whole 50 as well. And that was just crazy fun. You just end up weeping alongside them when <laughs> characters die or, oh, God, it's crushing. And, you know, somebody can just look at somebody strangely and it's the funniest thing on earth. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. You know, particularly, I mean, I don't do drugs, so I don't get high. But, I, so I don't really, I don't know how that feels. But in Provathons, to me, I like getting high. Right. That, that's my version of getting high. <laughs> well, I, I recommend... Uh getting high using improv <laughs> yeah it's cheaper, cheaper. kind of well <laughs> let's not <laughs> let's not do the sums uh brilliant that's fantastic uh and um do you, if someone was to um uh, step onto stage with you mm. um what could they do to delight you <gasps> oh oh i think um oh my gosh I'm trying to think of times I've been delighted and why that has happened. Um, okay, you're going to have to edit out this really long pause while I have a think. What an That's probably good timing then with my long pause. Yes. What could they do to delight me? Um, I think probably come on with some like batshit crazy character... Um, and 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 imply that I'm not going to be opposite to that. That I am the same as them. All oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that I I I can be batshit crazy too. Yeah. I think that would be that's that's a fun thing. Cool. Cool. And big final question. Mm. What is your signature move? <laughs> What's what do you do that go? Classic Ginny saved Classic the day again. Ginny. Brought down the house. Doing it. Oh wow. Signature move. Oh wow! Um, oh my gosh! Well, I—it's funny. There are two things I think. Neither of which I'm particularly aware of. They <laughs> right. just—they just kind of happen to me, and it's interesting. It's a thing I've noticed. I noticed in improvathons. I noticed it when I did the London Fifty, and I've noticed it a few times in the Liverpool ones. I don't know why, but it's quite often that the lights get brought down on one of my lines. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. So I think I have... I think I cut through stuff quite well. Ah. Like, if there's if there's a kind of... a lot of activity, a lot of kind of, you know, floofing around a subject or something, I think I cut to the chase quite well. That's interesting. Um, the other thing I think I do, which um, my friend Chris Mead told me I do, which, again, not intentional, but when he said it, I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe I do... <laughs> is I do, and these are his words, I I kind of go, laughy, 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 funny, 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 make you feel good, gut punch you to the stomach with emotion, make you feel absolutely horrendous, and then smooth it all over, laughy, laughy, funny, funny. <laughs> um, wow. those, are, those are roughly his words. So I think, I think those are probably, I couldn't, I can't tell you which one of those is my signature move, right. because, like I said, they happen to me rather than me doing them on purpose. But I would say... Uh, yeah, cutting through fluff to get to the core of what's going on and 
getting in a nice emotional gut punch in there. Fantastic. Yeah. Those sound like, sound like excellent signature moves. <laughs> Thank you for being a guest on the Improv London podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I made this. That's improv! <laughs> <laughs>